Hallelujah. You know, the Bible says in uh, Psalms 29 that everyone in his temple shouts glory. Because the voice of the Lord shall be heard. It's about the voice of the Lord, but it ends up with the voice of the people of God. It's specifically in his church, in his place. And so, you know, I think it would be appropriate if we all just, you know, I found out you don't get blessed because you hear the word. You only get blessed if you do the word. That's where you get blessed. And really, I found out that you can't talk yourself into feeling different, but you can act yourself into feeling different. Did you know that's true? That's just a, that's just a psychological truth that you can actually, you cannot feel, uh, you know, strong, but you can start doing something and you'll get stronger feeling. So uh, just, let's just all just do it, would you? This is what they said in Psalm, because I believe the voice of the Lord shall be heard in this hour in strategic places throughout all the world, that a voice from heaven will cause things to move, will cause things to come alive, and I believe the voice of the Lord shall be heard through his church. So let's just all shout glory. Glory. Hallelujah. Oh, Father, we thank you for your glory. We thank you for your power. We thank you for your provision. We thank you for your wisdom, your greatness, your mercy, your goodness in this hour. We are your people and we are not ashamed. We are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for you have taken our lives. You know, you were singing that song, What Have I Done? And I kept thinking, you know, it's not even about what we've done. It's deserve. about it's what he's, he's done. done. The gospel doesn't start with something you do. It starts with something he, he does. And then what you do is a response to what he has done. So that just kind of makes everything, you know, just real. Uh, you gives you a certain a confidence that you can't have any other way. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what you, you did. You can be seated, I guess, you. but you don't have to stay seated. Oh, before we go any, any further, um, Donna, would you stand up? Donna Cosher is here. She runs our, she Canadian. is Canadian. Shekinah Glory Canada. And That's she our runs Shekinah Glory Canada then, right so there. Give her, so, just hey. give her a hand. She does a lot of stuff for us. She's helped us with our France missions work many times. Gone with us. Thank you, Donna. She's but just it, been uh, working. Nobody, I mean, really, a lot of people do, do, do not know who she is, but she makes it easy for us to come and minister in Canada at any time and helps us with all of those things you have to take care of in the natural to be able to, you know, the, the government things and stuff. And we're just really thankful, Donna. And if you need anything, you know, from, from our ministry here in the, on the Canadian A side, then you can contact Donna. Um, I want to thank you, pastors. First of all, I have to tell you something. <laughs> the anointing is so strong. You know, you don't want to draw attention to yourself as a minister. You know, you don't want to do that because, you know. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's kind of like on the day of Pentecost. Nobody can help it. <laughs> Woo! Um. We celebrated our 30-year anniversary, and we were not looking for anything. We were not. We were just letting everybody know, you know, on our mailing list. And uh, out of all of our mailing list, it was so funny. And we, like I said, we weren't looking for anything. Your pastors were the ones who sent us a, an offering and sent us some gifts. And 
and a congratulations. I think we had two people, uh, uh, you know, that, that did that from the entire mailing list, and we were just blown away. And uh, I remember I called Mother, and I said, Mother, I said, the Switzers, because she remembers you guys, you know, from Raymond back years ago. She said, oh, Sydney, she said, that is so nice. And she said, I know you weren't looking for it. And I said, no, I was just so surprised. And I remember you had a little note, you know, thank you for all the, all the years you've served. And it was just nice. You have to do it anyway, regardless if anybody says anything. You know, who wrote Jesus when he was dying on the cross, you know? I mean, you got to do it. Who was there in the garden when he wept, you know, those tears? You got to do what you got to do. But it was your pastors that, that, that wrote us, and I was so, I was, I was overwhelmed. You said, they, they might think, well, that wasn't very much. You know, so, but you don't understand anything is overwhelming for me. Anything anyone does is so very, is so big, you know. And so I just want to thank you so much. And your kids, they've, they've really ministered to us probably more than you even realized. Last time we were here, you gave us a gift. And I'm telling you, it ministered to my heart more than you know. So I don't know if you've ever done anything for anybody else, but this little Jewish backslidden, used to be Southern Baptist Pentecostal girl was blessed. Hallelujah. I got a word I, for I, you this morning. I keep thinking, I keep thinking of a name this morning <laughs> and, and I, I keep thinking Jesus 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 there's just something about that name don't you love it He's master, he's savior, he's Jesus. He's like the fragrance after the rain. You know what that means? Everything's so new and fresh. That's what new means. New means fresh. New means there's a fresh anointing something that hasn't been done before but it's part of the old and the new it's exciting it's vibrant it's alive it's fresh it's new oh Jesus Jesus do you know this song Jesus say his name church just say his name Jesus let all heaven and earth you know, that's the one thing that heaven and earth does together when they say his name. If you have people that have died, kids or adults, someone in your family has already gone on or someone you know that you love, when you say his name and worship him, you're both doing the same thing together. Kings and kingdoms. <laughs> Oh, I tell you, things may look strange and the government and families are messing up and stuff has happened. All these kingdoms think kings think they rule everything. <laughs> oh, I tell you. Woo. They ain't ruling nothing. 
they'll all pass away. But there's something Financial pressure and bondage has to bow. At that name, peace comes in where there's turmoil. At that name, faith arises when you think it can't be done. But faith comes and takes a hold and says, yes, I can do all things through Christ. Through Christ Jesus who strengthens me. At that name, things that look dark turn light. At that name, oh, at that name, at that name, at that name, kings do bow. Even on earth they bow. And they don't even know why, but they have to do it because the believer has lifted up their voice in faith and said, no, I've been favored from God. I've been favored, and this is my year of favor. This is my life. My home is favored. My church is favored. My country's favored. I am favored only because I've been given favor because of the name of Jesus once again again with my God and my King restored just the way it was meant to be and I'm a believer and I lift my voice and I'm not ashamed because of the favor that God brought me <laughs> and in boldness not only do I bring favor to my life but all those that are surround me as I lift my voice and I say no no I speak favor to that situation it's a new day it's a fresh day because of that name of Jesus. So just lift your hands. Kids, teenagers, lift your hands. Lift your hands, adults. Husbands, if you're not used to it, just do it. Uh, wives, do it. Say, Lord, I thank you. Things are changing. 
And even if I don't see it, I rejoice by faith. Because I know favor has lifted me out and bringing everything to my front door. Hallelujah. Oh, how I love Jesus. Say that. Say that. Oh, how I love Jesus. Even if you're, you know this if you're 16, if you're 12, if you're 5, if you're 70, services do it here the same glory cloud that's been falling like rain all over in every meeting do it here the same glory that hit a woman with a tumor on her belly the size of a baby that shrunk it do it here the same glory that that made teenagers fall on their face do it here the same glory that turned about people's lives that glory do it here that we'll be so sensitive. But there is a fresh day here. Fresh anointing in this place. It's changed. Something's changed here. I, I don't know quite what it is, but something's changed. Hallelujah. So the Holy Spirit will come upon you in a new way. Oh, yes, you have been prepared for this very day. It has not taken you or the Holy Ghost inside of you by surprise, but He has been working all the time to get you well prepared so you will rise and you shall rise above that which seems to be greater than you and you shall strengthen yourself and look up for there you shall see a way where there seems to be no way and you shall see through what seems to be closing you in and you shall say the Lord is my helper I will not be afraid and as you resist the fear the faith will cause the future to open and the res and, and the, the looking back will be uh, uh, will be diminished and looking forward will bring fresh strength whereas the looking back cause you to grow weak and you'll know you'll know you'll know 
that what the Lord has said, he will perform. And as you walk forward in his word, you walk forward in his strength. And the power of God shall come upon you and will make you what you need to be. So trust and obey, for there shall be a great blessing. And as you look at the things that God has asked of you, don't look at them with the natural eye, but look at them with the eye of faith. And say those things that God has asked you to say. Like greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Say those things that causes faith to arise and your words will build a road over which you will ride and you will cause things to be built that God has already given to you and possessing your inheritance yes, yes. that belongs to you. So don't shrink back in this hour for it was made for you and that which God has required of you has been strategically planned. Oh, so enter in to this day of glory, for it will cover your land. Hallelujah. 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 Oh, glory to God. You know, you can be seated. I, I, uh, I, I, I thought about this scripture this morning because I know that it's a strategic time. I know... Roman, and, and, and so before we go, I just want to go any further. I want to give you this word. Yes, go ahead. Well, you know, and, and just, you just listen, because in Romans 13, 11, it says, knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our redemption closer than when we first believed. And the word for time there, he says, do you know what time it is? In fact, other translations will say something uh, uh, like, uh, it is high time for you to wake up out of your sleep, rouse to reality. Another one says, be aware of this hour in history. Be aware of this hour. Open your eyes. And the word time there is a word that, it's the word, the Greek word, which it means opportunity or, or season, you could say. But really, I like the word opportunity. The opportunity, now is your opportunity. It's a Greek word, just listen, and it refers to an opening in time, a historical moment when a sense of change permeates the air and it brings with it, uh, or it, it, it hints at a transformational moment or opportunity to literally turn things around. I mean, I don't know about you, but that just is about, that's enough to make me, you know, decide to, you know, comb my hair and get ready. You know what I'm saying? He says, he said, don't, he said, it's a, it has a, it has a first, it has an, a fierce a sense of, or an urgency of now, like now. Now is the time. He said, he said, now, knowing what time it is now, 2 Corinthians 6, 2 says, now is the time of God's favor. And there's something about knowing what time it is that just won't let you stay still. Because now is the time. And, and when I, you know, there's a lot of things I could say about that. But the one thing I want to say about it, Hebrews 11, 11, it says, By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed. She bore a child when she was past the age. And that word age there is the same word, past the time. It literally means that she, uh, she uh, received the strength that she needed to conceive seed. Remember the story? 
She heard what God asked her, you know, said, this time, about this time next year, your wife Sarah's going to have a child. And, and, the, and you know, they were, the angel of the Lord was talking to Abram in his tent. And, and the Bible says that she overheard it. And she, I think it's in Genesis somewhere. She started laughing. And she said, that they, they said, so then the angel starts talking to her and said, you laughed when you, and she said, oh, no, I didn't laugh. No. Pastor, I would have never laughed at you what you asked me to do. No, I didn't laugh. He said, oh, yeah, you did laugh. But you know what's so interesting is, obviously, instead of laughing at, the, at, at, at her inability, she started laughing, at laughing with God and started strengthening herself in the promise of God. Because you all know the name of her seed she called Isaac, which means laughter. So she literally turned things around. Do you understand what I'm saying? And she did it. Now, this is what I want you to see. Because sometimes people think when I read that story about knowing now is the time, they think, well, I missed my time. You know, I'm 68, and I could have done it when I was 50 but, or 30, but I can't do it now that I'm, you know, you know, 58. Some people feel that way when they're 19. Well, you know, I've already had some things happen. You know, I missed my time. Well, I got news for you. Hebrews 11, 11 says, when Sarah was past her time, she literally received the strength of God to conceive. And the Bible says she did it because she judged him faithful who promised. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't care what time it is. I mean, you know, as far as in your life in the natural, if you've missed, you know, you've made more than, you know, you, you missed, you say, I missed my opportunity. You know, I got divorced or I got, you know, I got an abortion or I had this happen or, or you know, I got, you know, I became a drug addict or, you know, I missed my time. It's too late or for I've me. Or I've just been, you know. Or I've just been sitting, you know. Cold. I'm cold and different, whatever. And you say, you know, that. That's just not going to happen for me. I'm not going to have a part of anything significant with God's plan this hour. Did you know that you have a strategic moment where you can turn things around? It's not just for everybody who's got all their ducks in a row. It's for people who may have been right on the edge of maybe leaving nothing else. They had nothing. You understand Sarah had nothing in her natural life. To be able to bring about the promise of God. All she did was judge him faithful who promised. And the Bible says that literally she turned things around. I don't know where you're at. Maybe you retired and you wished you hadn't. Maybe you wish you would have given when God said give and you missed it. But I'm telling you, there's a new day of mercy. There's a new day of his glory. And if you want to, you can be just like Sarah and you can turn things around you can be past your moment in time so to speak but it might be late but it's not too late you might be young but you're not too young you might be poor but you're not too poor you can believe God and if you rich and if you can believe God if you can believe God all things are possible and rejoicing brings it to pass are y'all ready rejoicing brings it to pass Sarah Come on now, I'm telling you, it's not too late. Rejoicing brings it to pass. Listen, let me tell you a story real quick. When uh, this, is, this is a barrier-breaking moment. You know what I'm saying? And when, when the man who was supposed to run the mile in four minutes, you know, what was his name? Roger Bannister. Did you know, I never read this before until recently. Did you know that up until that time, for over 80 years, people had been trying to do it? 
But the experts said that if it was going to be done, experts, they said it would have to be done on a dry clay court. The temperature would have to be what? What? Court track. Oh, thank you. I just said that. You know, that's he's my husband. A court. We're not playing soccer. Just it's checking, not a court. Checking to see if my husband was listening Wait to me. It's always not. Soccer's nice. not a court either. They said it would have to be done. We all know what we're talking about. Uh, yeah, well, some of us. It would have to be done on a dry, a dry uh, clay track. They said that it would have to be done on a on a, a cer certain temperature. It couldn't, it, because it would have to be exactly right in order, you know, for the aerodynamics and stuff to take part, you know. And that there would have to be a large crowd there because it would, it would take a large crowd cheering them on to make it possible. Did you know that when Roger Bannister broke the four-minute mile barrier, it was a cold, rainy day on a wet track. It was cold. It was temperature wasn't ideal. And there was a small crowd there. And I'm telling you, he broke the barrier on a cold, wet day, on a day when the experts said it couldn't be. And I'm just here to tell you, I don't know the experts might have built the Titanic, but Noah built the ark. You better listen yeah. to God, because I'm here to tell you, oh, yeah. things are turning around. Listen, the only source of optimism in your generation is the work of God in His church. Only source. The most optimistic thing you can do, brother, to keep your country from going under is believe God. Woo, hallelujah. Because we're not waiting for something to happen. We're not hoping something will happen. We got our eyes set on Jesus. And I like what it says in 2 Chronicles 20, that as they begin to sing, the Lord set ambushments against their enemies. Oh, there's the problem. You know, you're waiting for something to happen. There's the problem. I think you go, why ain't anything happening in my life? You're waiting for something to happen, but right in the midst of your obedience, right in the midst of it, there is an answer from heaven, not only to bring about your victory, but to also demonstrate the defeat of your enemy. To see. I'll tell you something. People who don't have faith, you will not see them rejoice very much. Yeah. It's the truth. You really don't it's rejoice. The, the level of your rejoicing is directly connected to the level of your knowing what Jesus has done for you. And I'll tell you something. And what is so what is so wonderful about it is that when you start doing that, your faith is working. And just because things don't look like they're happening right now, He is working to bring it to you right now. It's on its way. It's your year of blessing. It's your year of unlimited blessing. It's your year of favor. Amen. You say, I'm telling you, from the onset of this meeting, it's been the Holy Ghost. There's such an anointing in this place. Such an anointing. Your prayers have made such an anointing come in this place. Things and your rejoicing proves that your faith is working. And you lift your voice and you speak it. And when you do, you bring not only blessing to your life, but the whole point of the believer is blessing around anybody who's concerned with us, anyone in our life, our kids, our parents, our brothers, our sisters, our church. 
our nation, our city. Woo! Woo! So don't pay attention to CNN. Just show up for church because all the saints in the states are rejoicing. That's right. You say, well, the conditions are not very good. Depends on who's telling you. Yeah. What kind of conditions are necessary to break the barrier? I'm just telling you, they think it's got to be a certain way, and I'm telling you, God will prove every time all I need is people who believe me. God's looking for people. Doesn't matter how long it's been the way it is, it can change in a moment. Oh, so everybody, one more time, say glory to God. Hallelujah. Say, my faith is working. Working. I believe it. I believe it. I act on it. Amen. Faith is an act. So you said yes, but but what if I'm acting like it and I don't feel I don't feel it, it and you know I, all I want to do is cry. You know those are the times when I get up wherever I'm at and I make myself praise the Lord. Usually during those times, it really helps if you have some faith friends because you know if you have faith friends, then you know it's like the man who was paralyzed. Had four friends who took him up on top of the roof, opened a place in the roof. Doesn't say they felt like doing it. In fact, he was paralyzed. He didn't feel any different. He probably thought, whoa, so, boys, better hang on to me. For you can sit down. down. But he had four friends who helped him. I can tell you, I've had some times when I didn't feel like it. I mean, it almost feels like, you almost feel like you have a, a, a almost like a, a, a heavy garment on and you can't move. It's almost paralyzing the way that feeling of just, you know, you just, something happens that you didn't expect or something doesn't happen you did expect. Something says something or does something and they're just, all of a sudden, the disappointment just swallows you up. But did you know you can turn that with an act of faith? You know, you can actually, I've done it. I mean, my husband, uh, Ray, we were in the hotel room a few months ago, and, and uh, something happened, and it was just very discouraging, and, uh, and, and particularly, you know, we just didn't expect it, and so I could see when, when we first uh, were aware of the problem, I, I was looking at, at my husband's face, and I could see, I could tell by looking at his face, he was starting to get red, you know. <laughs> My husband is not a, he's, he's not a man who's prone to, you know, shouts and stuff like that. I've been around people who are. He's not, you know, shouting when he gets anger. anger. He shouts for the Lord. Well, but I mean, you know, in anger, that kind of stuff. But I could tell it was really bothering him. He was trying to, you know, maintain his composure. But it was just like you just wanted, you know, that kind of, you just want to kind of hit something or something, you know so unexpected and I could see him and I just I don't I really I we were I was just sitting there and I was just just kind of waiting I didn't know exactly what for sure we were going to do but all of a sudden he looked at me and he said Lois I think I'm going to have to dance (laughs) I looked at him he said I think I'm going to have to he got up no kidding in the middle of our hotel room on the side he just got over there and he just started dancing I mean dancing right on purpose and as he did I can't explain it yeah, to you. There was no special anointing there. There was no music. There was no nobody saying, come on, you got it. It was just you stirring yourself up. And as he did, I'm telling you, just like that, it went from an atmosphere of heavy disappointment to just glory to God. 
There's something about faith in God that turns it around. And did you know what? Within like a week, that whole situation was resolved. So, Ray, is that the truth? Go ahead. You can speak. Go ahead. Tell. tell. It's the truth. It's the truth. So now maybe, you know, I remember uh, Lester Summerall talking to Smith Wigglesworth when he was 82. And he said, uh, he said, you know, he'd go to his house every day. You've heard the story, you know, and he'd always ask him, Smith, how is it? And he's 82. How is it that you always look the same? You've probably heard the quote where he said, I never asked Smith how he feels. I tell him. He always looked. He'd always looked the same. He'd no, go, he always looked like he was ready. That's the same he looked. At 82. 82 now. I mean, I'm not talking, you know, 22. 82. And he said, then he said this, though. It's in his book, Pioneers of Faith. And I don't hear many people quote the rest of the story, but I'll tell it to you. And he said, he said, uh, Lester Summerall said, well, what do you do? Because he said, you know, I don't tell him how I feel. I don't ask him. I tell him. He said, well, what do you do? And he said, every morning I get up. And he said, I dance before the Lord. High speed dancing for about 10 minutes. And he said, then I take a shower, have a good breakfast. I said, he said, I tell the Lord how thankful I am to be a part of what he's doing. I'm just so glad to be a part of what he's doing. He said, every morning he did that. Now, not many people will talk about that. You know why? Because if you talk about it, you better do it. But I just challenge you. If you have a problem with anger or some kind of, you know, work of the flesh in that area, did you know you can actually change that place that flesh has in your life if you just begin to yield to a work of the Spirit? How about this? What if you have a challenge of apathy? I don't have to do nothing. I'll just roll over yeah. and read my Bible. And you say, why does that happen? Because when you act in faith, I'm just telling you, rejoicing and faith go together. You may not, I can't, I'm not going to share on that this morning, but it, they just go together. You can just mark it down. Every time in Deuteronomy, when they were getting ready to do the work of the Lord, he said, make sure you do it with rejoicing. Listen, you guys, I was, I was with Mama Hagen a lot before she died, before she went home to be with the Lord. And she was 80, what, six? 86 or 87 and she'd get she'd get into a meeting they'd bring her down the front row she'd get in a meeting and I'd run around there with her and she'd just be going like this uh, I just want you to know doesn't matter how old you are that little 86 87 year old woman she'd just be going like that oh glory to God hallelujah in other words age is not the point so but what what happens is every time you make a you know you make a choice to act in faith in response to God's word, what it does is it causes something in your flesh to die. And if you'll yield to that, the anointing of God will come on you. Whether it's anger, apathy, resentment, whatever it is, you'll have the power to, to break through that in your life and become the person God wants you to be. I've got something I want to read to you this morning. Um, I, I want to share with you uh, some, some scriptures and some thoughts on, on the idea of being a finisher of the work of God. Would you like, would that be okay? Won't take me very long. But I really, um, as, I, as I were praying and getting ready for this morning, I kept hearing that word finisher in my heart. And, there's a, and really the word uh, concerning uh, just a, a, a turning around with ba breaking barriers. But I know that if you don't live your life with the end in view, that you'll make the wrong decisions up close. Do you know what I mean? You make the wrong decisions here if you're not looking a little further down the road. Proverbs says to live your life. He says, Lord, help me to number my days that I may know my end. So there's something about keeping your eyes on the finish line that helps you make the right choice today. 
See, if you only think about, you know, like what's going to happen in the next four hours, you may not make the right decision. But if you think about what's going to happen in the next four years, you might make a different decision. And what happens is when you make your decisions based upon God's word, God's word always prepares you for what's coming. And you know, to be, to be prepared, you don't, now it doesn't mean you always know what's coming, but you are prepared. prepared. And when you're, when you're walking by faith, it doesn't mean, you know, how sometimes some people will say, you've heard it said, you know, that uh, uh, if you don't know where you're going, how are you going to know when you get there? You've heard that? And that's, that's good, you know, motivational talk. And I'm, I, I'm, I think there's a place for that in your life. But when it comes to walking by faith, you know, that's not always, you can't take natural motivational ideas and say they're faith. Because the Bible says that Abram, when God asked him to leave where he was in Genesis 12, the Bible says he told him to go to a place he did not know. He did not know where he was going. But he heard God say, get up from, all, all he knew was, I can't stay where I'm at. And the Bible says he got up and started moving toward a place all he knew, it build, whose builder and maker was God. Hallelujah. And you say, well, if you don't know where you're going, how are you going to know when you get there? I'll just tell people this. Abram did not know where he was going, but he knew when he got there. You say, how did he know? The same word that caused him to get up and move was the same word that showed him his place. And so if you wait and you only use natural even motivational, good motivational ideas, before you move, you're probably going to miss your opportunity to move in faith. But God wants us to be finishers. And really, uh, Ecclesiastes says in verse, chapter 7, verse 8, better is the end of a thing than the beginning, and the patient in spirit is better than the proud in spirit. Listen to these translations. The New Living Translation says, finishing is better than starting, Patience is better than pride. You know what pride is? Pride is when you decide that you become the standard of what's right or wrong instead of giving God that place. That's what pride is. Pride is when you become, as they said in, in Judges many places, where every man did what was right in his own eyes. And the only problem with you doing that is that you didn't really make everything there is. You're not the sustainer of everything there is, even your own life. So when you become the standard, you're, it starts breaking down pretty easy, pretty quickly. You'll come to a place in your life, something will, will uh, uh, break down, and you won't know how to put it back together because you didn't make yourself. But he says, uh, he goes on and he says, uh, the, in the Message Bible, I like this translation, it says, the endings are better than beginnings. Sticking to it is better than standing out. You like that? So you could say finishing in different phrases, it's, being, it's sticking with it. It's being patient, not proud. It's just, it's just it's being there. It's staying with it. And so uh, there's a scripture in the Gospel of John, chapter 4, that is such a good scripture. Jesus spoke this scripture to his disciples after he was... Uh, Remember when he was talking to the woman by the well? 
And, uh, you know, she, was, she had come to draw water out. And, and he said, if you knew who I was, you knew the gift that I had, you would ask me and I'd give you living water and you'd never thirst again. You remember that story? What a wonderful story that a woman who had had a past that was uh, uh, very destructive and had nothing that really showed, you know, they, uh, they say, you know, uh, if, if someone, you know, shows you who they are, you know, just remember, you know, that's, that who, they, who they have been is probably who they are. Well, remember, when it comes to God, just because you did what they said you did doesn't mean you are who they said you are. Amen? I like what somebody said. It's not so much what they call you, it's what you answer to. (laughs) I like that. I don't know what they call you, but I only answer to the redeemed of the Lord. You understand, if you don't answer, then really they just get a busy signal. You know what I mean? And so... uh, Anyway, Jesus was talking to the woman at the well, and and if you read the story at the very beginning of the chapter, it says that he was really tired, and that's why he had stopped there, and he had stopped to rest, and so he was trying, you know, just uh, just trying to to take a moment to to pause to try to to get his strength, and so it says it's kind of interesting what his his disciples say to him when he comes, and they they see when they come they see him talking with this woman and stuff, and and they say to him they say you know did somebody give him something to eat? I mean you know. He just, you know, he seems to be revived. You know, he's stronger than he was when we left. And, and then Jesus says this to him in verse 34. Jesus says to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you? What a tremendous scripture. He said, you think I'm getting my nourishment from natural things? He says, and he was natural. He had to eat. I'm not telling you that's, that's not my point. My point is what really strengthened his life was doing the work of the one who sent him. And he said, doing the will of him who sent me and finishing his work. So he said, uh, my, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Well, You know, I learned from my pastor that the will of God and the work of God are two different things. The will of God and the work of God are two different things. The will of God is unchangeable. The will of God, it's God's will for everyone uh, uh, to to be saved. It's God's will for everyone to be healed. It's God's God's will for everyone to hear the gospel. But how does that get done? Through the work of God. The work of God is really what the devil's after, not the will of God. The will of God, you know, you could say it like this. Jesus spent 30 years learning the will of God. He only spent three years doing the work of God. And really, it was the work of God in John 5, verse 36. He says, for the works which the Father has given me to finish, these works that I do, and they bear witness of me that the Father has sent me. I like how the Message Bible says, it's the work the Father gave me to complete. These very tasks, as I go about completing them, confirm that the Father, in fact, has sent me. So it was in doing the work of God that he actually revealed the will of God to people. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And you say, why is it that the devil's really after the work of God? Because when you do the work of God, the work of God causes the will of God to be made known to people who don't know. In fact, it says it like this. uh, 
uh, this scripture in um, Matthew 5, or not Matthew, well, Matthew 5, verse 16 says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. I like what it says in uh, uh, John 14 or John 17 verse 4 when Jesus was in the garden he says God I have glorified you on the earth how did he do that he says I have finished the work which you gave me to do so when you do the work of God not just do the work of God but finish the work of God the glory of God is a is resident is 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 active is manifest on this earth glory to God you say how does God get his glory on this earth through men and women who do his work Doing the work of God is what Jesus spent 30 years preparing for. And he was ready. So are you. He was ready. He was ready. He had a, and actually when, when, uh, when the devil came to him in Luke chapter 4 with the temptation, it wasn't, it wasn't so much, you know, it, it, when, when he came to me, if you be the son of God, you know, throw yourself off this mountain. And Jesus said, uh, you know, Satan, the devil said, it is written, you know, he shall give your angels charge, he, tra- charge over you to keep you in all your way. He was quoting the word to Jesus. But Jesus said, it is also written. He said, it, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. He said, he said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. In other words, he wasn't, listen, you can never make the right choice with the wrong source. Did you hear me? If you're listening to people who are not doing the work of God, trying to tell you what you should do, listen now. I mean, you're just listening to the wrong source. And so Jesus, really, it wasn't about so much, you know, it wasn't so much about uh, Jesus. It was about what he was going to do. If the devil could get him to stop there, then there would never be a demonstration of the glory of God on this earth because he gave himself, he said in John 17, 4, to finish the work of God. You understand? And that's really what the devil's after because I'm telling you right now, when you decide what you're, that you're going to do the work of God, you don't think you have an enemy, you do, but he cannot stop the work of God. He cannot stop the work of God. That ought to give you confidence. You say, well, it sure looks like he has. Well, it may look like he has. It looked like it for three days when Jesus was on the cross. But I like to tell people the biggest thing hell's got to stop you was taken care of. I mean the biggest thing. All of it all together was taken care of in three days. You say, well, it's going to take me 30 years to turn this horse around. I'm telling you, the longest it took anyone for anything that the devil's ever done to anyone, the longest it took was three days. Quit messing with that brother and apply the truth of the blood and the cross of Jesus. Apply your word, the word of God to that. And I'm telling you, you can come out of there like that. Yeah. You say, well, if you knew what I'd done, you might. No, 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 no. You're, you're, you got the wrong information, wrong source. You got to know what he's done. Because that's what gives you vision 
to do the work of God. Remember this. So, really, he's not after. He's not after the will of God. He's after the work of God. Remember this. It's not about what you get. It's about what you become. It's not about what you get. A person can have a gift from God and never know it until they act in faith. That's what Smith Wigglesworth said. You may have a gift from God. You may be anointed to do. Listen, in the, it's kind of interesting. In the New Testament, the, the places that people put, took in the church, they were always anointed. It, the gifts of God gave them their place in the church. In other words, the, the anointing of God came upon them to do the work that God had required of them. Glory to God. It says that, uh, 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 really, uh, I like, let me read that again. A person can have a gift from God and never know it until they act in faith. What did he say in Acts chapter 13, verse 2? As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate unto me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. They were called. But they weren't put in position until the anointing of God came upon them and then the gift of God was given to them for what purpose? To do the work of God. And the beginning of global evangelism was a result of two men anointed to do the work of God. Woo! Some people don't like to, to think about it like that. But when you say, why don't they like to think about it like that? Because it will cause, uh, 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 it, will, it, 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 it will require something of you. But listen, what God requires of you, he has anointed you for. What he has required of you, he has anointed you for. And, and I like how, uh, I think Brother Hagin said this. He said, the gifts of the Spirit are for power. But the fruit of the Spirit is for holiness. You can have power without holiness, or you can have holiness without power. What you want is both. Some people have power without holiness. See, the gifts of the Spirit are for power. The fruit of the Spirit is for holiness. That's got to do with the choices you make in your everyday life. And really, you could say it like this. You make the choice, and the choice makes you. It's true. Character is not a result of big issues in your life. Character is a result of many small issues that no one really sees until the big issue shows it all up. You could say, uh, I, I like how somebody said this. Let me read this to you. I, I, I was, I was, as I was uh, studying through this the other day, uh, or actually last night, I, I, I read this story and I thought, man, that's a good story. I want to read it to you. It, it, this was... Um, uh, hold on here. Uh, glory to God. I got a lot, I got a lot of information <laughs> on my computer here. Uh, well, maybe I didn't put it down here so I could give it to you. Oh, that was good anyway. Okay. Here, C.S. Lewis said this. I found it. We used to be friends. Now we're just... Listen, says, surely, this is what C.S. Lewis said this. He says, surely what a man does when he's taken off his guard is the best evidence for what sort of man he is. If there are rats in a cellar, you're most likely to see them if, they go in very, if you go in very suddenly. But the suddenness does not create the rats. It only prevents them from hiding. 
In the same way, the suddenness of the provocation does not make me ill-tempered. It only shows me what an ill-tempered man I really am. <laughs> oh, I didn't hear any amens in this Presbyterian church, but that's all right. Yeah, say that again. It's good, isn't it? It's true. It's very true, though. You need to understand those things. Yeah, well, maybe we should. It says, so, so it really, it's not about what you get. It's about what you become. And I found out the best way to be what God wants you to be is to do what God wants you to do. Character may be manifest in great moments, but it's made in small ones. Wow. And listen, the best way for you to be what God wants you to be is to do what God wants you to do. And that's the moment. Now, God won't make this choice for you, but that's the moment when the line in the sand that's been drawn by the enemy's plan, that's the moment when instead of always having the same reaction, the same way of thinking, the same way of talking, you decide based upon the authority of God's word to make a different choice. And when you do, you step over that line into a brand new opportunity. And that's when the work of God begins to be even more manifest through your life, through obedience. The work of God is done. Real faith, remember this, real faith always leads to an act of obedience. Always. There is no faith if there is no act of obedience. James says, faith without corresponding actions is dead. It takes corresponding, and you say, why is that so important? That's the transformational moment when your character that's been shaped by this world begins to be reshaped by the will of God. When Romans 12 says it's reshaped, he said that you not being shaped by this world, but were reshaped. He said, how are we reshaped? By obedience to our, the, the yielding our members in obedience to the will of God. Doing the work of God that causes the will of God to be made known on this earth. By choosing to walk in obedience, responding to life's challenges differently, you develop the character of God, which brings the divine nature of God into the view of all the, the, will, the world to see. The work of God comes from yielding individually to the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. And remember this now, all the rewards in heaven are for the work of God, not for the will of God. All the rewards in heaven. Let me read you this scripture out of Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 through 26. All the rewards in heaven, not for the will of God, for the work of God. Listen, and remember, God doesn't reward offices. He only rewards obedience. You don't get rewarded because you're a pastor. You don't get rewarded because you're a teacher. You don't get rewarded because you're an apostle. You get rewarded because you're obedient. Obedience Glory. brings the reward. Look at this scripture and look at all this. This is so tremendous. Matthew 16, verses 24 through 26. If anyone desires to come after me, anyone, you say, well, you, you know, you haven't said anything that connects with my life. You like scriptures that tell anyone 
This is anyone, you know, Mount Mark eleven twenty three. 23, whosoever will, anyone shall say to this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, shall not doubt. You like those? Those are good scriptures. Well, here's another one. If anyone desires to follow me. So you, if you're going to follow Jesus, you're going to finish the work of God because he finished the work of God. You know, so he said, if anyone desires to follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Let him deny himself, disregard, the Amplified Bible says, lose sight of, forget about himself and his own interests, interest, take up his cross and follow me. You say, well, if I do that, I mean, I'll just be a doormat. I mean, you know, if I don't take care of myself, who will? Now, you've been watching too much Oprah, I'm just telling you right now. You've just been listening to the wrong source trying to get the right information. I'm just telling you. Because I'm telling you, that he, Jesus is giving you the way. Watch this now. Listen to what he says, the rest of the story. He says, listen. He says, for whosoever will save his life, hold on to his life, will lose it. He didn't say whether you're rich, poor, uh, popular, or unpopular. He said if you're trying yeah. to save your life, you're trying to hold on to your life. He said you're trying to hold on to something. If you're trying to save what you cannot keep. You're going to lose it, brother. But watch what he says. He says, for whosoever will save his life will lose it. Whosoever will lose his life for my sake will find it. Woo, he said. If you give it, listen, if you give what you cannot keep, you will become what God wants you to be. You say, well, if I don't do what I want to do, I'm just going to live. I'm just going to live with absolutely nothing, nothing. I won't have any fun. I won't be able to. You know why you think that way? Because you're looking four minutes in front of you, brother. Because you're looking four feet in front of you, and all you can see is your own shadow. I'm telling you right now, you're considering the wrong information. If you just let me get, let me help. Just kind of, you know, I, I just kind of want to wake you up a little bit. Share, just get you to understand. Listen, we got to look beyond just what's happening right here in front of us. He said, "For whosoever shall uh, lose his life for my sake will find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world?" And lose his own soul. Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? You know, his soul, that's his suke, his natural life. That's what, that's, that, that's those things that, that pull your, you know, that pull on you. Those things that draw on you. Those appetites, those desires, whatever it is that they've been feeding on. Then, you know, whatever you feed gets bigger. And so it just tries to keep keeping you. If you give yourself to the things that do not matter, you'll become a slave to that which matters least. I wrote that down last night when I was studying. If you give yourself to the things that don't matter, you will become a slave to that which matters least. So he says, listen, so he says, but, but listen to the rest of this. He says, or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Now watch now. What is it that keeps him? What was it that kept Jesus on that track, on that, that, that road of obedience? What was it he saw when distractions came? The decision had already been made. He knew where he was headed. He didn't know everything, but he knew where he was headed. And he knew that when it was time for him to be the appointed time for him to be in the place of crucifixion he was going to be there why the bible says for the joy that was set before him he endured the cross 
He had his eyes set a little further down the road. What does he say in verse 27? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to his works. He said, there's coming a day when I'm going to stand before the one who redeemed my life from the sin and the trouble that I've been dealing with in this world. And when I stand before him with the nail scars in his hand and I know the price was paid for me to walk through every day of difficulty with a vision of victory every day, every trouble, every place of disappointment when I stand before him I know the one who has redeemed my life I know in whom I believe I know I count him faithful who promised and I shall be when you I stand before him I can hear those words well done not well are you done <laughs> well done there is something you say well you know, life's too short. I just need to do the things that matter most. You need to turn that idea around. Life's too short to give yourself to the things that matter the least. Life's too short. Listen, you only got a moment of space of grace, but honey, what you can do in that moment is a result will be seen by the glory of God being manifest on this earth. And the, when the glory of God is, is alive in the people of God, it brings hope. To the world, the Bible says in Colossians 1.27, Christ in you is the hope of glory. Woo, glory to God. Glory to God. Revelation 22 verse 12, he said, Behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me to give to every man according as his work shall be. I like one translation. He says, Behold, I'm coming soon and I shall bring my wages and rewards with me to repay and to render to each one just what his own actions and his own work merit. Isn't that good? You say, well, I have to give up some things. Listen, whatever you lose to obey God, you don't need anyway. Listen, believe me, what you gain in obedience to God, you cannot buy any other way. Because it's not about what you get. It's about what you become. Listen, I got one more thing to tell you. One more thing. I want you to remember, we've been talking a lot about character. But I want you to remember this point on character. Listen to me. The number one thing you need to remember about character. Character is not predetermined. It's something you determine. It's not predetermined. Some people think character is just a result of their genes, you know, their ge that they got from their parents, and just a result of the environment that they've, been li they've lived in. They've always been abused, so they just know only to abuse others, or they've always been selfish, around selfish people, so that's just the way they are. Listen to me, character is not predetermined. It's something you determine. Character is a result. Listen, like I said, it doesn't matter what they call you. It's just what you answer to. You understand? And so here that here character is not something that's predetermined. It's something you determine. It's a result. It's just simply a long habit continued. 
It's a byproduct. It's produced. It's like happiness. You can't just get happiness. It's a byproduct of doing the work of God. A character is a byproduct of daily making the choices to do the work of God. You become what you need to be by doing what God wants you to do. If you want to ask, really, I always ask, this is what I say. If you want to know what a person is really like, you, and just for yourself. I mean, I, you know, listen, you have to daily, I mean daily, crucify the flesh. I mean, just say, listen, brother, you're not in control. You're not. Listen, if the flesh is the only thing that tells you what to do, you'll never know what the Spirit of God has made you to be. Jesus. Never. You say, well, how can I know what the, uh, what the Spirit of God says to me? Well, the Word of God is how Jesus found out. The Bible says he found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to preach the good news. He said, he looked in the book, Isaiah, and he said, that's talking about me. And those words that some people would have said were a dead letter were life to him. He lived in them that day. And you can do the same thing. But you can ask yourself, because you're trying to evaluate, you may think, well, I'm okay. Well, you could ask yourself three questions. What is it that makes you angry? What is it that makes you laugh? What is it that makes you cry? What is it that makes you angry? What is it that makes you laugh? What is it that makes you cry? Because what is it, when you, when you determine the things that actually touch the deepest part of you, that actually move you, that create a, create a movement where you, you react in a, a way, whether it's anger, laughter, or crying, but it, it moves the deepest part of you. When you can determine what those things are and you evaluate them in light of the will of God, you can make a choice to turn away and yield yourself to the work of God and become the person God wants you to be. I always tell the story because I, I, I remember when I was, uh, I, I, it's been a few years ago, I had a missionary friend who was in Africa, and he uh, had, they had, they, they were raising chickens over there because they wanted eggs, and if you want eggs, you got to have chicken. I mean, you know, they wanted their own eggs, you know what I'm saying? And so they were raising chickens, but what happened was their chickens started eating their own eggs, and I mean, you know. You do that long enough, and you might tell that chicken, your future don't look too bright. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but I heard this story, and he said, well, that he went to the, you know, to the whatever, the vet, the chicken doctor, and he said, uh, you know, we don't know what to do. I don't know if we just have, you know, we just have some, our chickens have some kind of deformity or, you know, what? I mean, you know, some, you know, there's just something, you know, they were born that way. There's something wrong with them. We don't know what it is. And the, do the, the guy, whoever it was, said, yeah, well, the what? Chicken doctor. The chicken doctor said. <laughs> he said, well, the problem is there's a certain mineral that your chickens are deficient in. And if you will just supplement their diet with this mineral, They'll quit eating their eggs because what they're, they're eating their eggs trying to get that mineral. And so that's exactly what they did, and the chickens quit eating their eggs. And when I heard that story, I thought about when I was a Christian working in a nightclub, and I was, you know, I'd go home at night, and I'd say, God, I love you. You know I love you, but I just can't do what you want me to do. 
there's just something wrong with me. I don't even know what it is, but I do, you know, I, I you know, I, I like to, I don't even know. I like to smoke. I like to drink. I like to hang with those who do. I'm going to the club. I don't know. That's just who I am. I mean, and so it took I, a second. And so I said, I said, you know, there, I mean, I love you. You know I'm a Christian. I love you. But I just can't be what you want me to be. And when I heard that story, I thought to myself, that's what I was doing. I was eating my own eggs. Yeah. I thought there was something wrong with me. But really, I just needed to add some nutritional. I, I was deficient in my diet. Yes. I didn't know what God said about me. And so, but when I found out that I was a new creature in Christ Jesus, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That I wasn't just going to heaven, but heaven had a home in me. That it wasn't about what I've done, but it was about what Jesus has done. And what Jesus has done for me changes what I can do right now. And I began to put that into my diet. I'm telling you, that's the, I'm the same person I was working in a nightclub, except I got different. I got a different diet. I got Got different nutrition yeah. and honey I'm telling you I'm getting different results yeah. Woo. Woo. my future is bright because I'm telling you right my now future's bright. I thought there was just something wrong with me I the couldn't fix here. it I'd like to fix it but I can't no all I needed you want to know my about one of my favorite scriptures I got several of them but Philippians 2 13 you know Philippians 2 12 says work out your own salvation with fear and trembling you say, well, I'd like to do that, but you know, I got this issue. I got that issue. You know, like the woman with the issue. We all got issues. And you know what? Some of us are going to push through and some of us are just going to talk about our issues. But she decided to push through. And I always thought, well, Philippians 2.12, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, work it out. You know, come on, you can do it. And, but it wasn't enough because I, myself, all by myself, I didn't have what it took. This is not a self-motivational, you know, deal for me talking to you about doing the work of God. Yeah. This is yielding to the will of God yes. and allowing the will of God to produce a work of God that is anointed yes. by the Holy Ghost and power. Yes. But then I read Whoa. Philippians verse, uh, chapter 2, verse 13, which is right after verse 12, for those of you who don't know. It says, for it is God who is at work in you. Both. Now, both. I used to say, Lord, I love you. Uh, you know I love you, but I just can't do what you want me to do. Both to will and to do of his good pleasure. It is God himself, one translation says, whose power produces in you not only the desire, but the power to do his good pleasure. Woo! Glory, Glory to God. God. There's a power in me to do it. But if I don't know it, then I'll just sit back and eat my own eggs and tell everybody how stupid I am. Or tell you may not tell everybody, but you'll or tell, tell yourself. Uh, or tell them they're stupid. You tell yourself. You lay in the bed at night and just be like, I, you know, that's just not me. I can't be that kind of person. No, no. You just got the wrong information. And even you may have the right information, but you're yielding to the wrong source. It is God who is at work in you to will and to do of his good pleasure. You not only got the ability to do it, you got his will. You got a new power. You could say, I got God's willpower. See, I ain't got no willpower. You need to go around and start saying, I got the willpower of God. You always say, I ain't got no willpower in that area. You know, I just always do. Well, you just start saying, I got the willpower of God. You'll see. 
the power of God will begin. You say, why is that so important? Because you cannot be, you will never be what you are not convinced it is God's will for you to be. You'll never do. You can't have faith for something you don't know it's God's will for. That's right. right there. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. Glory it's to a God. new day. The anointing of God is upon you to do the work of God. And all that God needs is people who will say, I'll do it. I'll do it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I hear the voice of God. I hear it strong through his church. I hear it strong in this church. I believe that there are many, many more opportunities for you. I love the vision of your pastors. I love that they can see in many ways how God can show himself to your community. The glory of God. The life of God. Oh, the church of God. Growing. We hope you've enjoyed this message by Lois Toucher and Cindy Duvall of Shekinah Glory Ministries. For more information about Shekinah Glory, log on to our website at www.shekinahglory.com. There you'll find our entire catalog of teaching materials, music CDs, and books, all available for online purchase. The website also offers our daily devotional, updates from the road, and our ministry itinerary so you can pray for us as we travel throughout the United States and overseas. You can also join our mailing list in order to receive regular newsletter updates of ongoing ministry projects. Thank you and God bless you for your support of Shekinah Glory Ministries. We couldn't do it without you. Truly the knowledge of the glory of the Lord shall fill all the earth. This is Ray Toucher, Speaking for Shekinah Glory Ministries, thank you and God bless you.